Hello, hello. It's time for another Security Token Show. It's Monday. We're here all in Miami once again in the studio. And of course, we're your hosts. I'm Herwig, joined by Kyle, as always. How you doing, Kyle? I'm great, Herwig. Another awesome week of news. We're wrapping up 2023 here. So it's exciting to see that despite the fact that we're already into December, still plenty of things to talk about. Absolutely. In fact, with that, why don't we jump right into the token debrief? Let's do it. And we're here in our token debrief with our regular guest, Jason Barraza, CEO of STM. How are you, Jason? Doing great. Really excited this morning. Covered the news. Let's jump right in. Well, I'm going to kick it off with a bunch of partnerships. You know, there isn't usually too much to dig into. So I'm going to try to give us a, a good overview and you guys let me know if anything sticks out of interest. But we're going to start off with Hacken, uh, who is pioneering new era of tokenized public companies with Bricken. So for those of you who don't know, blockchain auditing firm Hacken, they've joined the quote unquote path of real world asset tokenization, as they say, by partnering up with Bricken. Uh, of course, they're an asset tokenization protocol if you haven't heard of them. But what's so interesting about this is that specifically the Hacken, a.k.a. the HAI token holders, they will now for the first time ever be offered a possibility to convert their utility token into equity tokens using the Bricken protocol. So very cool as they make the transition into RWAs, as they say. Cool stuff. Next, we also saw an announcement from Archax. They've partnered up with Script. They're a, Script is a Swiss financial service provider. They specialize on crypto assets uh, and do a variety of different services. And this time, partnering up with Archax to power liquidity. Um, so specifically, Norman Wooding, the founder and CEO of Script, commented, quote, by leveraging Script's liquidity, Archax amplifies its trading platform with an array of assets, superior liquidity, and guaranteed best execution. We're eager to drive this industry forward alongside Archax through this partnership by not only providing top-notch trading solutions, but also empowering Archax clients to navigate the complex crypto landscape with confidence and efficiency. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what exactly comes out of this. If we if we see that in the front lines on our checks with script, or if this is more of a, a back-end thing. We also saw an announcement from Invenium uh, and Cascada. So Invenium is the, you know, they're a leading private market asset blockchain technology provider. And Cascada is a, a digital carried interest in management fee software. And they have partnered up. Of course, to presumably integrate their Cascada PE suite, uh, which enables carried interest, waterfall distributions, these complex payouts to investors. They can get automated and brought in to the Invenium platform, which, of course, powers a lot of different tokenized products. So very cool partnership. And last but not least, we also saw an announcement from Obligate. They are a leading on-chain debt capital market, and they have announced a selection that they have chosen based as a blockchain protocol to go ahead and uh, you know support token issuances on the base platform. Yet another RWA player coming to Coinbase's protocol. All super cool announcements. Kyle, Jason, anything that stuck out to you? For me, I I mean, I love to see the the base adoption. I think that with the older blockchains, there was always concern around their scalability and some of these different pieces. And then, of course, there were some concerns around 
their ability to handle the compliance requirements associated with securities. When you have real world assets, you need to know who is being involved in the transaction and how the transaction is being you know, monitored by the licensed intermediaries in the middle. And if anybody in, in terms of a centralized institution has a good grasp of both the compliance as well as the technology, Coinbase seems to be one of those players that can provide some of that infrastructure. They already have custody integrations with some security tokens from multiple years ago with BCAP being offered through Coinbase custody. They've explored having an ATS that they acquired in the past. So they certainly understand the compliance needs for this industry. And I think that that's a huge leg up than some of the other blockchains. And then on top of that, they've got all the momentum. So potentially that could drive more liquidity. It's easy to forget, Kyle, that Coinbase's base protocol launched less than a year ago. What amazing traction, especially also with RWAs. Jason, any insights on any of these articles? Yeah. Um, so before we jump into mine, I just want to echo too with base. I mean, as I mentioned, they launched recently and they already have, you know, backed finance, then invest X. Now we have obligate. So really good traction for them. Great year uh, for Coinbase and Coinbase team. Um, but I also want to highlight, you know, going back to the Invenium and Cascada Solutions uh, partnership here. You know, it's great to see a theme that's been uh, going around this year, which is back in middle office. Um, and so to see another partnership that's going to be enabling some of that, those efficiencies um, and presumably on chain, it's just, uh, you know, it just speaks towards, you know, what that theme has been this year uh, for multiple fronts and multiple uh, players in the industry. So a shout out to them. Uh, that's a great thought. I think so. So now I think we can get into a next subset of news. And this has to do with the newest platform launch of the week, gentlemen. So on the heels of Copper's recent acquisition of Securency, which they, they launched a new platform. This is supposedly for digital securities brokerage, specifically focused in that MENA region based in Abu Dhabi. So Copper came out with an announcement. They want to launch this in early 2024. They're cooperating with the Abu Dhabi Financial Services Regulatory Authority, the FSRA, which is where they're going to be licensed and permissed to do business. As I said, this really comes on the acquisition of Securency, which had a lot of relationships and licensure in that region, which we saw earlier this year. And their goals is to provide corporate action settlements on chain, as well as expanding into securities, financing, lending and payments. So this is a pretty robust platform, but we're continuing to see this adoption of very institutional corporate financial vehicles, as opposed to more of like the crowdfunding style of themes that we saw early in the life cycle of the security token industry. So didn't know if you guys had any thoughts around that, but we certainly have plenty of institutional news here and coming up on the show. Yeah, no, I definitely want to add, you know, specifically, this is Securency Capital, which uh, for those of you who don't know, you, you, I'm sure you heard that DTCC acquired Securency. That was more of their technology stack and their team. Securency Capital had a, a very active presence in the, the UAE. That's why uh, I assume that this was a strategic acquisition there for, for Copper. And I think this is great news. This is Yet another sign that there is a Web3 migration, native crypto companies recognizing the RWA trend, as we saw with the launch of base supporting RWA protocols for Coinbase, as we just, as I announced earlier, 
uh, with, with hacking going ahead and converting from utility to equity, I think we're going to continue to see native crypto companies embrace this technology and all for it, uh, because this, this is how it should be, in my opinion. Great traction coming out of that area of the, of the world. You know, we, we've seen, what was it, ASX, the Abu Dhabi Exchange recently announced that they were going to start working with uh, digital securities. Um, now we have this news. The Pearl a few months back as well being tokenized, a right. big $10 billion piece of real estate. So that whole region, great to see them more involved this year in the um, security token space. What's going on institutionally, guys? Well, I'm happy to tell you about the International Monetary Fund, um, the World Bank and the Bank uh, for International Settlements. That's a BIS. They have supposedly, reportedly joined forces to explore you know, the concept of tokenization. The, specifically, their collaboration aims to leverage the technology to streamline financial processes and enhance global economic development. That's a, a very broad <laughs> scope, I think. But of course, we're talking about the IMF, one of the most recognized uh, international you know, economic groups, as well as the World Bank and the Bank of International Settlements. I, I don't know if you can get three bigger powerhouses together. Uh, that can have such global impact but it's worth noting that specifically they aim uh to tokenize promissory notes uh when uh, specifically richer countries donate to the world bank's funds uh they might be able to digitize those take advantage of the efficiencies uh, which is, of course, when you know countries donate to the World Bank, we're talking about mega huge amounts. So, any any thoughts on this, guys? It's cool to see that tokenization is just so mainstream now that the largest economic institutions globally are every day, every week. We're covering new banks and platforms that are doing deeper dives and researching this. And certainly, the IMF, World Bank, and the BIS set standards that every country and every financial institution follows and they look for those guidelines. So, so cool to see that they're really diving into this because I think that they're going to find a lot of things that they like. Definitely, definitely. And moving on to another piece of institutional news, we have SKCNC uh, to be providing blockchain-based security token services for HANA Securities. Um, so this will be on the blockchain service platform called ChainZ Security Token or chain ZST for a little shorter uh, to really build out, you know, opportunities for HANA securities to have subscriptions, allocations, all on chain, um, as well as being able to surveillance functions, um, monitor the smooth issuance of some of these uh, processes. So really, really exciting for HANA securities. I know they've been covered a couple of times in the past, um, specifically in the state of security tokens report. So keep an eye out for those as well. Any thoughts there, guys? Great, exciting developments, I think, on that front. Herwig, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think we can dive into the final article here of our institutional segment, which is MasterCard. They trialed an EHKD, so an E-Hong Kong dollar, for luxury purchases in Web3. And this is kind of a pilot and an interesting survey. So when we start with the pilot, basically, they launched a CBDC with the Hong Kong government that allowed people to buy Web3, actually, NFTs. And not necessarily cartoon pictures, but NFTs for authenticity. So representing your unique access. So I think that this is probably the best use case of an NFT, right? Is to represent your serial number and your access. And so the pilot had a conditional payment structure where it released the NFTs only once the funds were put into the smart contract. So it was kind of like an escrow system that was fully automated. 
fascinating stuff. And I think, again, a great use case for smart contracts and digital payments. And so they used multi-token networks. They built it on a CBD sandbox. And then they launched this survey where two-thirds of Hong Kong digital asset owners responded saying they'd rather use the EHKD, the E-dollar, than using stablecoins. So this was a really strong vote of confidence for launching CBDCs that are sanctioned by the government as opposed to some of these private stablecoins. So at least from this survey, the public seems to be much more enthused around CBDCs than what has been reported by other institutions or certainly other governments that have been trying to push against this. So I think that that's really the biggest thing here is not only was it working well, but there seems to be highly positive sentiment coming from the APAC region. Uh, that it seems uh, that that's exciting. You know, we're, we're seeing more and more CBDC trialing. We've talked to plenty in the past about how whether they're stable coins or CBDCs, we need that settlement layer into a currency, you know, usually the US dollar, uh, in order to have atomic swaps and, and true settlement on chain for securities and payments in general, you need both sides to be Web3. So I think these CBDCs, whether they are truly designed for consumers or more for banks and institutions, they're, they're gonna play a critical role in powering the, the infrastructure. Uh, so it's great to see a big name like MasterCard doing this. I, I don't think anyone else would have expected that necessarily it's for them to be jumping so hard into CBDCs. Uh, I, I think that's really interesting. And we're going to end up this segment with a couple of opinion articles. Uh, so, you know, would love to hear your thoughts on if you think these folks are right, or, or if there's something uh, wrong that you think they said. But ultimately, first, we did see an announcement from the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, specifically finding that tokenization reduces borrowing costs by 0.78%, 78 basis points, and underwriting fees by 0.22%, that's 22 basis points, of the bonds par value. And we're talking about bonds, of course, so basis points make a significant impact, but it, it improved liquidity, which I thought was the most interesting of all. They quoted it by saying it improved by 5.3%, rising to 10.8% total if access is available to retail investors. So this is proving the point that fractionalization and lowering that barrier to entry does enable more potential buyers, the thesis there being more buyers, more potential demand, uh, which will, of course, lead to more liquidity. It's very commonly you know, discussed that you want to have retail investors so that you have as many possible buyers as opposed to a, a very constricted institutional network. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Uh, maybe a lot of people aren't too excited about those numbers, but, but I certainly am. Uh, and the last uh, article that I want to mention for our segment here Colin Butler, the nice little interview with Christine Moy and Ty, uh, Tyrone Lebon. Hopefully I said that right from, from JP Morgan and Christine from Moy, who was actually at JP Morgan before that. Uh, and the article is headline 2024 will be the year tokenization truly finally begins. Uh, and it is an interview style article. It is worth reading for anyone who hasn't seen it i highly recommend you go check it out diving deep into what jpm and apollo have been doing and their vision although i might just end on personally saying tokenization you know began a long time ago yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> uh, 
But I think what they're implying, what Colin might be implying, is that it's truly going to go mainstream, which may also be debatable. What do you guys think? Jason, do you have any gut gut instincts on either one of those? Yeah. Um, so a couple things. One, it's tokenization is definitely being talked about a lot more seriously now than it was you know, five years ago when we started um, and whatnot. So, th so that's good to see. And there's a lot more tangible uh examples in terms of issuances in terms of institutions coming on um cost savings back in middle office so that's great to see that being said um there's still a lot to go in terms of getting everything all the infrastructure on chain to be able to really operate front to back uh, for the full life cycle that might take closer to five to ten years um considering all the red tape uh, that's there and and the archaic system uh, that's there worldwide. So although that I think next year will be great, and I'm sure that we're going to be expecting a lot more issuances um, and a lot more news coming out, uh, we'll, we'll have to see uh, exactly what he means by the year of tokenization. I could have a, a, a range of a range of uh, implications. Any other thoughts there? Yeah, if you've been watching the show for you know, the last couple months or maybe years since we've been doing this for four and a half years now, you'll know that I'm a stickler for quantifying benefits. So I got really excited seeing the research on tokenized bonds. To reiterate Herwig's point, tokenized bonds reduce the cost of capital by a full 1%. Between 0.78 and 0.22, that is 1%. A dollar saved is much more than a dollar earned due to taxes. But even if we assume that 1% cost of capital increases your yield on a debt instrument by 1%, when it probably would increase by technically more, 1% on, let's say, the average corporate debt note is 8%, 9%, you're talking 10 to 12% increase in yield. Like on the average, yield. so that's, that's double digit percent savings when you look at it from the relative numbers just by leveraging tokenization. This is like really important stuff. And so then you layer on the improved liquidity, which as we know, debt instruments often have a liquidity discount because of the fact that they are not liquid. So if you can increase the liquidity, you also are going to reduce the discount applied, which also should in theory increase the yield or certainly at least the, the cost for the end, uh, end buyer, which reduces your cost of capital, which then potentially would increase the return profile even more. So we're talking, you know, upwards of 15, maybe if you're even lucky, 20% increases in yield for debt just by leveraging tokenization. This is pretty big news, even though 1% doesn't sound like a big deal. 1% on 8% is a significant, significant change. And so really, really cool to see this because I think that for most of the tokenized securities lifecycle, it's been very metaphysical. It's been very philosophical in terms of, you know, what these benefits might look like. This is another great example of an article that really showcases the benefits of this stuff. I think also proves why a lot of this is institutional because at scale is where you really see a lot of the benefits. I think you made excellent points there. There are two I want to extrapolate there. The, the first is ultimately the bond market, right? You know, to your point, this is this is trillions of dollars in size. Most people don't don't really necessarily pay attention to that. I think for institutions, this is a big deal. And to your point, you're it's good to be a stickler for this stuff because 
even the proof of concepts by the big institutions, all these trials, these use cases, they're, they're still very much so, you know, very closed environments. No one's actually publishing these exact results. I thought it was great to see from the, the JPM Apollo announcement, you know, taking 3,000 processes and, and taking it down to a, a click or a few clicks. Like that's the type of stuff we need to, to see, but it's even better when we can quantify it down to a mathematical level. So a huge shout out to the Hong Kong Monetary Authority. And also I think it's worth pointing out that the RWA community and the rise of treasury bonds and, and products that we've seen, I think that has a lot to do with, the, you know, just on-chain yield and, and having something tied to a real world asset. I don't think anyone buying the, those products is, is thinking about the fact that this is now a more efficient treasury product or in the, in the road down the road, hopefully when they are natively digitally issued, you're going to see way more, you know, capabilities and way more efficient bond markets, especially institutionally, despite also this rise in, in retail access to those markets. So I think that that's, that's an awesome takeaway, Kyle. Totally agree. And uh, I think that if that's it, we can uh, dive right into our next segment, Market Movements. Let's do it. All right. So getting into our Market Movements segment, of course, we have our great co-hosts here, Jason and Herwig. We're kicking this one off with Republic. And so if you've been following this saga, Republic is the leading crowdfunding platform in the you know certainly the us but presumably the world as the us is probably the largest crowdfunding market and they do those smaller retail style of offerings you can raise up to five million they announced they were doing a security token and they raised i believe it was somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 million for their portfolio of equities of companies that have used their crowdfunding platform and they actually launched a security token behind it called the republic note and then we didn't hear a whole lot for 18 months or something like that. Everybody got really excited. They sold it out. And then we just kind of wanted to wait and see. Well, as it turns out, they were working hard behind the scenes. And after their investment and potentially future acquisition of INX, they have announced they will be listing their token, which has been on issued on the Avalanche blockchain onto the INX platform. And so this token represents Republic's venture portfolio, which does include SpaceX shares as well as Dapper Labs shares, uh, uh, you know, aside from a ton of other assets in their portfolio. But a retail token that you can buy into SpaceX is pretty exciting. And this is aimed at retail investors, meaning that it's not just accredited only and it pays dividends in USDC, presumably into your wallet. So Pretty cool. The, the note here says they raised over 30 million in their private sale. So maybe they did a second sale or they oversubscribed from they the headline mm -hmm. I remember. And so they're crushing it, guys. They're going to be listed here. This is maybe the highest profile token listing of the last 12 months, at least. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> you could say that again. Um, th this absolutely might be the most high profile listing of the year simply due to the interest by potential retail this is two retail powerhouses coming together we're talking about inx we're talking about republic uh you know they are easily considered the most retail focused if you will i think uh and as a result you're for the first time ever enabling access to venture capital uh, you know as a retail investor other than being able to pick some companies on republic it's so hard to get access to a portfolio 
And in this case, Republic has you know done all the due diligence. They've set up the structure. They've set up everything up in a cool way so that you can you know trust them to invest in a diverse portfolio of venture capital of of startups, which is critical for anyone who doesn't invest in that space. You, you want to be able to have uh, you know a, a shot at many many shots at, at uh, success when it comes to startup investing versus putting your eggs into into one basket. So it's it's a very unique structure. We did dive more into it last week with um, Republican Avalanche when they announced their selection of Avalanche. So definitely go check out on YouTube. We have a whole dedicated interview. Uh, with with Jeff Fear from Republic, their their senior head of tokenization, and uh, Morgan Kropetsky from Avalanche, the the head of institutional uh, there. So definitely recommend checking that out. I think it's huge news, Kyle. I'm so excited. I might actually have to buy this one. I, I usually try to refrain from buying them, so I don't have to always disclose on the show what I own. So I I don't really own too many, but wow, this this one is intriguing. Definitely, definitely uh, exciting to see its news, and it's not the only news coming from. Republic and INX, right? We did see last week's episode having Renata from INX on on the show talking about the acquisition deal, you know, being extended till I want to say February. Um, now we have this listing, I think, I believe going live December sixth. And let's not forget that Republic Wallet will also be integrating into the INX platform uh, by the end of the year. So also something else to keep an eye out for. But you know, again, as you guys alluded to, this is a very you know, retail oriented narrative. And speaking of retail, I do want to dive into Delmore, who just achieved over $260 million in crowdfunded capital for their clients over the past five years. I mean, that's no small feat, guys. Uh, pretty decent amount. You're rallying a lot of the masses. And Delmore has proven time and time again that they are really good at this crowdfunding uh, game. So, you know, just give some figures uh, over the last few months. We had 43.3 million in July. It increased to 50.3 million in August, increased again to 52.5 in September. And then October, they had a really good month, 70.2 million. Um, and then tapering off uh, here in November as we close out the year, holiday season and whatnot. So congrats to Delmore. Uh, really exciting to see that. And of course, for all their clients and the success that's going on there in the crowdfunding world. Now that's great to to hear. Great to see Dalmore is clearly leading in helping fix that distribution problem and helping people raise capital. Uh, that's you know half a billion in in one year at this pace. Maybe even we'll we'll climb up to a billion next year or the year after that. So that's a massive amount of capital that's being facilitated. Huge shout out to Dalmore. Um, I want to move it on next to a big announcement from an art uh, tokenization project. So uh, a leading new project collaboration called Artori Wings uh, is launching an art fund tokenized in Singapore with SDAX, the Singapore Digital Asset Exchange. And they uh, have a joint venture where the Winston Art Group is basically going to curate uh, what they say is two, approximately 200 pieces of art, physical artworks from 60 to 80 different artists, again, lending that diversification benefits of uh, being in a fund. Uh, and specifically, they have, um, you know, working with Artori. Artori is one of the leading art tokenization platforms out there. Uh, so this one makes a lot of sense going on in Singapore. You can now get yourself access to a, a tokenized art fund, blue chip artist, they say, although they didn't say who yet. So. We'll be sure to keep an eye. 
Very exciting. We know Arturi has been active in this space. Cool to see that they continue to drive developments, working with the traditional players in their industry, as well as some of the other technology providers in the space. Well, with that, Kyle, why don't we end our show with our companies of the week? That's the market movements. All right, Harwig, we got to close out our show here, huh? What a show, what a show. Love it every single week. It only gets better and better with the, the industry going crazy like this. Totally. I remember back in the day, we, we would have some stale weeks, but here we are, no problems deciding. Well, it might still be difficult, but at least you have plenty of options to choose yes. from. Uh, in which case, Kyle, who did you pick for your company of the week, which may just make them company of the year starting in 2024? Who you got? I think I've got a pretty compelling case for company of the year, to be honest with you. Um, I think I've given them company of the week in previous weeks from years past because they've been a consistent innovator in this industry. For me, it's Republic. We talked about it from my news segment earlier in our market movement segment, but Republic has raised over 30 million for their venture portfolio. They're launching a tokenized security on Avalanche, which we know them very well. They've been very diligent in building technology stacks to support securities issuances. And it's going to be listing on INX, a company that they announced they're going to acquire to build their own ATS. And so presumably this is going to be an on-ramp for many of the other companies that fundraise through their platform to potentially take advantage of this liquidity. So from all regards, Republic is crushing it and exciting to see that they're going to have a trading token to drive more interest into the secondary markets. Oh, it's huge, man. It's so huge. Absolutely right. Uh, good choice. If we haven't chosen them this year already, we have to put them in the running. So thoughtful about them considering, you know, INX as a, a venue they might outright acquire because they value having an end-to-end -end ecosystem. They've built out their wallet technology to enable, you know, custody of tokenized securities. They've selected, you know, Avalanche uh, as a fantastic partner. They have a whole tokenization team. Uh, it, it's going to be really, really exciting year for Republic in 2024. And they're kicking it off with a bang starting uh, next week with that listing uh, on INX for the Republic note. So, and again, the Republic note in itself, such a cool structure, as I mentioned earlier on the show, gotta love it. How about you? Uh, I gotta give it over to copper, man. Mm. Uh, copper being such a massive, you know, hugely recognized, popular, uh, crypto native company to see them embrace security tokens, to see them embrace, uh, the Middle East specifically, where we know there's going to be a huge surge in growth given the, the infrastructure, regulatory support, the amount of capital that's out there, the amount of great assets. I'm just super excited to see how Copper almost redefines themselves, hopefully, as a security token company. So with that, Copper, you're my company of the week. That's awesome. Makes total sense. They've been consistent, building, developing, innovating. Um, I think we had two really good choices this week, Herwig. Uh, it, it continues to get harder every week, as we just mentioned, but two really great choices. Absolutely. Congratulations to those two companies and to everybody else moving this space forward. It's been another great week. We hope to catch you again on Mondays uh, every single week. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in the tokenization space, RWA security tokens. And meanwhile, STM.co is your one-stop shop for all trading information and everything else happening into market. Uh, Kyle, I'll catch you next week and everybody else. Happy tokenizing.
Thank you.